Yeah, he's in 10 of his last 13 from deep. And Shaq, you know what his nickname is? Yeah, leave it. No. <laughs> his nickname, Icy Hot. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, man, I hate that name. But, yeah, that, that, that's it. <laughs> I didn't approve that, sir. <laughs> he said I didn't approve yeah. that. You didn't run that by my office, I'll sir. Make sure I, yeah, it's my fault, Shaq. I'll make sure I uh, – Man up. Uh, yeah, I got to put, put, put you on the asterisk or make sure I quote you or cite you on that one. What a night for the Philadelphia 76ers and Icy Hot, better known as Mr. Three Rings around these sides, Danny Green, going 10 of 13 in his last two games for the Philadelphia 76ers as they take, or rather yet, tie the series against the Miami Heat in the second round of the NBA playoffs. I'm Harrison Sanford. This is Inside the Green Room without Danny Green. I'm riding shotgun tonight as we get ready for game five and look back on a spectacular game four, if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan. And I believe that the Sixers will win two more games in this playoff series, which would make them the winner of the series and move them on to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I got three big reasons why. Numero uno, the man who should be numero uno in the MVP rankings, Joel Embiid is back and he, he is in form. Game three, we all wondered, how is Joe, is Joe, first of all, is Joel going to play, right? He, he ended up playing. Then how would he play with the orbital bone fracture coming off the mild concussion symptoms? First game, Joel, his presence alone was enough. He had 18 points on five of 12 shooting from the field. For the most part, he really didn't dominate the game outside of defensively, where he was great. He held Bam out of bio to under 10 points. He was great there, but offensively really wasn't a force. Flash forward to game four. Oh, he's back. 15 points in that first quarter, 24 points, 11 rebounds overall, 9 of 13 from the free throw line, which was the weird thing to see him miss free throws there in that second half. But Joel Embiid is back, guys. That's how I, that is how I feel. The way he was able to take advantage of the mismatches, the way he was able to draw fouls. He'll need to be better defensively because Jimmy Butler got him on a couple of pump fakes, and we'll talk about Jimmy Butler later in the show. But for the most part, you have to feel like Joel Embiid is back. And you could tell from the way that Jimmy Butler talks about him in the postgame press conferences, the way Kyle Lowry talks about him in the postgame press conferences, the way Eric Spolscher talks about him in the postgame press conferences. They know this guy is a monster. They have an immense amount of respect and some would say appropriate fear as it pertains to Joel Embiid. And there's a, there's certainly a reason why when you look at how he performed today, when you saw Joel tweet out after game three, what did he tweet? A video of a picture of Stringer Bell from the wire where he said, I want you to put the word out there that we back up. That lets you know where Joel is feeling about his game about the Sixers prospects. I've been very vocal about this. When you flash back to game four against the Toronto Raptors, where he had the, uh, the, dis the fractured thumb ligament on his right hand, you could tell from his mannerisms on the court that he wasn't feeling confident, that he wasn't his, didn't have his normal swag level. And we have seen now, it's, it almost feels evident that when Joel is not feeling himself from a way he, from his demeanor, it has a trickle down impact. So when Joel goes to Troel Embiid, as he did on Twitter after game three, it let me know, oh, not only is he actually playing, 
but he's actually playing and feeling confident about his skill and the prospects of the team. Reason number one, Joel Embiid is back in motion. Now, some people will say, oh, okay, well, you know, let's go ahead and look at how the team shot. It's a simple, it's a make or miss league. And some of the stats are absolutely outstanding when you actually look at that quote. Games one and two for the Philadelphia 76ers from the three-point line, 14 of 64 for 21%. Games three and four for Miami on the road, 21% shooting 14 of 65. Games one and two for Miami in Miami, 35%, 23 of 65. The Sixers shot, thanks to Danny, who definitely did his part in these home games, 32 of 66 in games three and four. So let's say the fans who are cheering for the heat or the people who are pessimistic about the Sixers chances will simply just say there's two more home games for the Miami Heat. They shoot better at home. Look at the shooting splits. It's a make or miss league. That's it. I don't believe that to be the case. Because as Doc Rivers said in his post-game press conference, it's not just the shooters going back to Miami. Who else is going on that plane? Well, Joel's going to be on the plane. That's true. I'm just saying. Uh, but, yeah, the shooting is going to be key. You know, it's, it's long been said that the role players play shoot better at home, right? And, you know, you can make a case both teams. Um, they're looking at their threes that they didn't make tonight, and they had some looks. Um, it almost feels like I felt after the two games in Miami. So game five is going to be a lot of fun. Just his defense, his presence, his scoring, everything. He, he does everything for us. Um, and we haven't seen the best of Joel in this series yet. Um, he's still trying to figure out how to play with that mass sliding all over his face and, and, and his hands. So I think the best is yet to come for Joel in this series. So while everybody is leaving Miami, if you paid attention to F1 and everybody who was in this in Miami this past weekend, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Patrick Mahomes, all the guys who are in Miami for F1. The Heat are going to go down to Miami for a pivotal game five, not just with the shooters. They'll also be going with Joel Embiid, who we feel is the MVP, or a lot of people feel is the MVP. We can leave that debate for another day. The one issue or the one thing that you have to watch out for as it pertains to game five, if you are a Philadelphia 76ers fan, or if you're just analyzing the sport in general, we saw one thing in particular. Bam Adebayo did not have a good game three, was a lot better in game four. Now, getting him in foul trouble was great for the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's the power of Joel Embiid. But at the same time, if you look at how Eric Spolstra puts Bam Adebayo on the floor in his substitution method versus the substitution method for Joel Embiid, it's very different. Joel Embiid usually plays the entirety of the first quarter. Bam Adebayo usually comes out around the midway mark comes in second quarter, plays a strong stretch, sits out again, comes in at the end of the second quarter. So that means you have Paul Reed out there guarding Bam out of bio, and we saw how games one and two went. We also saw today Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio running their pick and roll game. And Tobias, it seemed as if he was willingly switching onto Bam out of bio. That didn't work out. It's not a major concern, but it is something to watch out you can't have Joel playing the entirety of the game, but there are going to be a stretch there when Bam Adebayo's out there against Paul Reed. Now, we ain't going to go on a Paul Reed victory tour, 
But if he can somehow stand up to Bam in those minutes, be solid in those minutes, and even Doc talked about it after the game, uh, after game four, that he's more willing to see Bam out of bio pick up fouls now because Joel Embiid is back in the rotation. We'll see how Paul Reed survives those minutes. But it's a very tricky thing because Bam was excellent in the non-Joel Embiid minutes today. Can he be, what will Doc do seeing that discrepancy? Will he alter the, will he alter the rotation? If you go back, actually, I remember it was game six against the Toronto Raptors. I believe Doc Rivers took Joel Embiid out in the first quarter, like midway through the first quarter. And he did the four starters plus Paul Reed lineup, because I think that was, he wanted to get Joel Embiid back acclimated uh, with the thumb injury. I believe that was. And he convinced Joel that it would be better to come back in the end of the first quarter after sitting some minutes because the team would be in the penalty. So that's something to watch out there for, because obviously it's lovely to have Joel Embiid killing the heat on non Bam minutes. But at the same time, seeing Paul Reed against Bam out of bio in those other minutes, not a pleasant sight. So maybe you can see Doc do a little bit of alterations there. Uh, to, because again, I, th- I think Joel Embiid can continuously dominate that matchup or win that matchup versus Bam Adebayo. Something to watch out for as we look ahead to Game Five. But reason number one, Joel Embiid, why I believe the Sixers will win two more games in this series. Reason number two, in case you were what that guy who was sleeping in the first row, if you were sleeping during the fourth quarter. I'll give you an update. James Harden absolutely went off in the entirety of the game. 31 points, nine assists, six of 10 for three. Everybody was hoping that James Harden would be Houston Harden. The national media has been waiting for this moment or criticizing him for not having this moment. And tonight he had it. Step back threes after step back threes, drives into the lane. He absolutely was spectacular to close the game. And Danny and I have talked about this for a long time now, ever since James Harden came to the team, and we really elevated those thoughts going into this series. James Harden does not need to score 30 points for the Sixers to win an NBA championship. I repeat, James Harden does not need to score 30 points per game for the Sixers to win an NBA championship. What we've been saying is that James Harden has to run the offense at an elite level and selectively take over. And that is exactly what he did in this game. Now, what is encouraging about him taking over in this game, because there are some things I actually didn't like about it. You could see that the team is almost learning uh, or he's learning rather yet about his team, about where he fits in the offense and his standing in the league. For example, before the game started, Doc Rivers openly said, we don't, we don't want James Harden attacking Bam Adebayo on the switches. If this was Houston Harden, I don't think Doc Rivers says that. Because if I'm James Harden or the Houston Harden of myself, there's no center that could stay in front of me. I don't care if this is the greatest defensive center of all time. I'm James Harden. But even for Doc to admit that, I thought that was strong. I thought that was notable as well. Because, again, it's James Harden. He should feel comfortable for who he is as a player and his standing in the league traditionally, you would almost think he'd feel confident attacking anybody. But for his head coach to say, if it's Bam Adebayo, we don't like that switch. We're not trying to attack that. That is a good note. And that is, uh, how would I call that? That is, what's the word I'm looking for? 
uh, that is knowing yourself. What's the word for knowing yourself? Self-awareness. Yes, there we go. Thank you. This that's great self-awareness from the Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden and Doc Rivers, knowing who James Harden is and knowing where he can excel. Now, there were some things I absolutely didn't like from James Harden today, and I do not think it will play well in Miami. One, the turnovers. Way too many. He had six of them. That is something that absolutely has to get cleaned up. Part of the reason why the Heat were able to stick around as long as they did outside of Jimmy Butler were those turnovers that James Harden had. And it was interesting because it's like you want him to attack. You want him to take the driving lanes that he can. And he found some luck or found some found some pockets there where he was able to pick up some fouls. But again, some of those turnovers. Game five, he needs to play his cleanest game possible. Game five, James Harden needs to play his cleanest game possible. I could care less if he scores 30. He has to be cleaner. But for this game, it worked out. Uh, the other thing that I liked, another good sign for Mr. James Harden. He beat the charges. He beat the allegations. Internet said. That's so you know you're down with the cause. The Internet, not the Internet, the Internet. The Internet said that James Harden and Chris Paul were 1-27 in games officiated by Scott Foster. Well, they got to win today some way, somehow. I was, not to say that I was shocked, but it was a funny little quirk. They actually got a game with Scott Foster officiating. And I, I must say, I don't know what the NBA can do about this, but I feel as if these referees, we shouldn't be knowing their names or their personalities And we're looking at all these flagrant fouls that we've seen throughout the playoffs. We've seen all of this controversy. It's it's annoying that we're at the point where we actually know referees' names. We actually care about them. We know more referees' names than we do the name of offensive linemen in football. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it like that. We had Scott Foster is notorious for calling a lot of fouls or fan base. I don't think there's a fan base that likes Scott Foster. Nonetheless, James Harden beat the charges, beat the allegations, and the Sixers got the win. Need James Harden to play the cleanest game possible in game five if you are rooting for the Sixers. Uh, That is what they would need in order to move forward. But again, selectively take over like he did today was spectacular. A lot of tough shots, and I thought they also got into the shot clock very late. Like It was like 17 on the shot clock when they finally get across half court. Getting into that offense a lot faster, and that's something Doc Rivers actually talked about too. Part of James Harden's job, and Doc said it, is organizing the offense. It's very hard to organize the offense when you're starting your motions at 17 seconds on the shot clock. And then on top of that, and Joel and B talked about it after the game, they did a very good job of fronting him, denying the post entries, this, that, and the third. You got to start your motions faster. You absolutely have to start your motions faster in this offense. James Harden bailed them out, but he also put them in that position. We have to recognize that. You'll look back in that fourth quarter. There was one possession. James was calling for the ball off of a rebound or inbound or something along those likes. Tobias had the ball. Tobias literally dribbled the ball up the court, looked at James and kept dribbling the ball up the court. And that's not because he doesn't want it. He doesn't know who James is. It has nothing to do with Tobias felt like we have to move faster. We can't let the heat defense set up. So it's on James to make sure he runs the offense clean, 
minimal turnovers, get them into their sets faster. He bailed them out, and it was great to see. But I think when James looks back at the tape, he's going to say, that's a lot of individual spectacular plays that I made, and I don't need to put myself in that position to have to do that. We'll see how it plays. Very important game for James Harden in game five. Spectacular moments in game four, for sure. Love to see it. It was a nice flashback. And finally, the third reason why I believe the Sixers will win two more games in the second round series against the Miami Heat is the condition of one Kyle Lowry. Earlier this season, Danny had a hamstring issue. And I remember he came back a lot earlier that I had suggested to him personally. Now, the team cleared him, and Danny's one of these people. He likes to play as many games as possible. Uh, he wants to keep his shooting rhythm. What happens? He plays a couple of games. I remember Doc had him like on a minutes limit for, for some of those games. Some of those games he came off the bench. He re-injured the hamstring. It's a very difficult injury to come over, especially further on in your career. And I remember the Celtics, they had the same hamstring issue with Jalen Brown. They sat him for about two, three weeks, I believe, uh, if, not, if not more. They were very cautious with it. Obviously, it's a playoff series. Kyle's going to try and push it as much as he can. But you could see out there, he is not having the impact that the Heat would need him to have. He did a great job at pushing the ball off of misses and makes for the Heat, getting them into sets and challenging the Sixers to be better communicators defensively. But outside of that, you really didn't see him come off the pick and roll, aggressive with his shot, coming off of curls, shooting the three. I remember distinctly, vividly, obviously this is not 2019, but I remember a aggressive Kyle Lowry won the Raptors a couple of games just from his mindset, the way he pursued shot attempts, the way he was shot hunting. He's not, shot, he's not shot hunting in this series so far. It makes the job a lot easier for the Sixers. And if they know, and so that puts a lot more pressure on Jimmy Butler. Kyle Lowry, who's never had this situation before, discussed his ailment with the media after the game. Uh, it's, it's, I put it this way, you don't want to play with it. But um, you know, we're in a situation here in the playoffs where um, – you know, we, you know, we're, you know, in a hostile environment. Uh, we're in this together no matter what. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to be out there for my guys no matter what happens, no matter what the situation is. Kyle Lowry so far in game four, went three of 10 from the field, all of six from three. As I alluded to, he was still a good playmaker, had seven assists. But again, all of six from three. In game three, his first game back from the hamstring situation, all four from the field, all of two from three. So overall from the series, He's all of eight from three, minimal shot attempts. And so that is something that you have to watch out for if you're a Miami Heat fan, because he's absolutely valuable to what they do. Gabe Vincent only played 10 minutes off the bench tonight in game four. Kyle Lowry not being himself is a cause for concern for the Heat, which puts a lot more pressure on Jimmy Butler. Now, I'll admit, I knew Jimmy Butler was talented, but... The performances that he put up here in game four, I was almost stunned by. Like, I just don't, I, I don't think he doesn't have the superstar level type of scoring, but he absolutely dominated his matchup whenever Danny was guarding him. He proved to be too strong for him at times, even though he did get that one phantom foul that I'm sure Danny hates. Uh, he found his way around Tobias Harris, and he was putting on a pump fake masterclass against Joel Embiid. 
absolutely spectacular from Jimmy Butler tonight in 42 minutes, 40 points, two of six from three, 13 of 20 from the field, six assists, two blocks, two steals, 40 point effort from Jimmy Butler. Absolutely spectacular performance from him. But you're going to ask him to potentially to do even to do that level of performance for them to even stay in the game, especially if Kyle Lowry is where he is right now with the hamstring. We've seen players like Devin Booker in these playoffs play better after coming back from the hamstring, but the age of Kyle Lowry and the age of Devin Booker are two separate things. If you've been paying attention to Joel Embiid's career, if you've been paying attention to Joel Embiid, who he has been as a person, one of the best things about Joel Embiid that I've enjoyed covering is that he holds himself accountable. After the end of game four, he admitted that he did a poor job on Jimmy Butler, and he said, that's on me. I have to do a better job. I would assume that means that Joel Embiid is going to do a better job when he guards Jimmy Butler, when Jimmy Butler plays a pick-and-roll game with Bam out of bio. I'm sure he's going to be a lot better. And everything I've seen from Joel Embiid believes me, makes me believe that he will. So you get a master class from Jimmy Butler, you still lose by eight. You have to be concerned if you are rooting for the Heat because you, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Joel Embiid is going to play better defensively. Now, Tobias Harris has to do a better job defensively as well. When, James, when they made the James Harden trade, I said it repeatedly on my Twitter account, Tobias Harris becomes one of the most important players for the 76ers. And everybody thought, oh, it's because, how is he going to score? Because you got James Harden with the ball. Joel Embiid needs the ball. Tyrese Maxson, no. I never thought that was the case for Tobias. I thought the most important role for him was to be a defender and floor spacer. His shot is always going to be respected. He will always space the floor. Where can he be defensively in this series to help the Sixers win is what matters. Because as much as Batiste Thibel is a great defender or has great defensive potential, he cannot be out the floor on the floor because he can't space it. He cannot space the floor. I don't care if he shot, if he makes three threes in one game, the team that the opposing team is going to continuously let him shoot. That's just not who he is. Tobias Harris did a great job on Pascal Siakam in the first round until the latter end of the series. And then Pascal really started to go off. Going to need Tobias to really find his home here, find a little better comfort zone guarding Jimmy Butler. It's a tall ass because we've never labeled Tobias Harris as a defender, but that is who he needs to be for this team to be successful. If they can corral Jimmy Butler and make him look like a star, not a superstar like he looked tonight, I think they have a great chance of winning. Nobody's expecting to shut down Jimmy Butler, not by any means necessary, but he has to be slowed down. He cannot take as many free throws as Joel Embiid. He was 12 of 13 from the free throw line tonight. He took more free. Hold on. Let me see here. Joel Embiid took 13. Yeah, 13. Joel Embiid was 9 to 13 from the free throw line. Jimmy Butler can't beat Joel Embiid at the free throw line. Point blank period. Can't have that happen. So, uh, but that's still my third reason. I feel optimistic. Joel Embiid can guard him on switches, can play better defense in the paint, deter more shots at the same time. Uh, I just don't think Jimmy Butler can continue to do this, especially with Joel Embiid out there. Which leads me finally to wondering, where in the world is Duncan Robinson? I repeat to you, how how the Miami Heat have shot from the three-point line in game three and four. 21.5%, 14 of 65 
from three. And the Sixers, because they know they don't have great defensive personnel, they go to the zone a lot. And for whatever reason, Duncan Robinson is not in this rotation. Makes upward of, what, $90 million? And he is not seeing the floor. Now, I know, and this is probably what Exposure is thinking, the moment Duncan Robinson is out there, especially if he's out there with Tyler Hero, it's going to open up things for Tyrese Maxey, going to open up things for James Harden. But there has to be moments. There has to be moments, particularly if Matisse is on the floor or if George Niang is on the floor, where you would think that Eric Spolcher would help his offense operate better by putting in Duncan Robinson. It's not just simple. It's not, I, I, it's not just simple shooting. It's not just catch and shoot. Duncan Robinson is going to make shots. Duncan Robinson runs around the court with an, um, an enormous amount of energy. And if you've watched the 76ers play basketball so far this year and sometimes in the playoffs, they struggle communicating defensively. If you have Duncan Robinson running all around the three-point line, cutting in and out, there's bound to be a breakdown What from what we've seen on film. It amazes me that Duncan Robinson is not making the cut, and which leads me to something that, I, you know, I, I have these conversations a lot off camera, unrecorded but it amazes me how many players in the nba again i'm not trying to take money out of anybody's pockets how many players in the nba make money during the off season but don't play in the postseason a guy like wes matthews is literally on a veteran minimum contract a veteran minimum contract 2.1 million and he's a starting shooting guard in Milwaukee. He guarded Jason Tatum in game four. When he was guarding Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum went 0 of 10 from the field. Giannis scored over 30 points in that game. You know part of the reason why he scored over 30 points? One, because he didn't have to guard Jason Tatum. And two, because Wesley Matthews was spacing the floor for him so he can operate. Wesley Matthews is making $2.1 million. However, then there's other players out here in the market who are getting upwards of double-digit million dollars, and they can't see the floor because they are one-way players, and they're just not good at that one-way skill to compensate everything else that they're lacking. It's an annoyance to me. Obviously, I'm biased, but I'd like to see the guys who actually help you win playoff games be compensated. More of those guys you have, the guys who could hit threes and play defense, the easier it is to play them, the easier it is to win playoff games. And so I feel for I feel I would be going crazy if I was a Heat fan. I've, I no, they probably all supported Duncan Robinson getting this big bag in the offseason because of how he played last year and who he is as a player. And then you get to the playoffs, and you're like, man, where is he? And you know exactly why he's not on the floor because he's going to get he's going to get taken advantage of defensively. He has to shoot. What does he have to shoot at 65 percent in the three point line in order to get some minutes because he's going to be a liability defensively? You know, James Harden is almost asking for it. You know, James, Harden, like, hey, listen, we're looking. For, I'm looking for somebody to attack other than Bam Adebayo on a switch. He would love Duncan Robinson to be in the series. And I think the Heat are in a prop in a real big problem. One Kyle Lowry is hurt. A lot more shoulder, a lot more to lift for 
Jimmy Butler. You got Joel Embiid back in the series now. So now they have, at a certain point, they have to keep up with the scoring. And that can't come from Max Struess. It's not going to come from P.J. Tucker. It's not coming from Markeith Morris, Cody, Cody Martin, Vincent. It's not coming from these guys. They just don't have the explosiveness like a Duncan Robinson does. And the moment you put him on the floor, he's going to take an advantage. He's going to be taken advantage of. It's a very tough predicament for the Miami Heat. Joel Embiid is back in this series, which means he could almost, he's going to outperform Bam Adebayo, one would assume, but he could almost nullify his presence. There's a hindered Kyle Lowry. There's so much weight on Jimmy Butler all of a sudden. I don't know. I would not be feeling optimistic if I was a Heat fan. I'll put it like this. After game one, after I saw how competitive the team could be in game one, I went ahead and I put some chips down on the Sixers winning the series 4-2. I think the Sixers are just a more talented team. And the Heat are obviously at a deficit when they can't play one of their, one of their best scorers on the, on, who is on the bench and their star point guard is not 100%. Big time issues for the Miami Heat, which is a good thing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Thank you to everybody who subscribed, rated, reviewed, listened. Make sure you go back and listen to that uh, Charles Barkley episode. We had a great time with him this week. Shout out to Danny, who uh, who now the nickname Icy Hot is out there on the Summer Jam screen. Let's hope he keeps the heat streak going in Miami to play the heat. I'm sure heat fans are not having a good time watching Danny play well, considering his history against the Miami heat. We'll see how it plays out. We'll be back here after game five. I'm Harrison Sanford. This is inside the green room. Find us on Instagram at inside green room. And if you're on Twitter and you've been listening to the show, you know, where you're still upset that somebody has our Twitter handle, but we'll survive. Green Room Inside is our Twitter handle. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please leave a five-star rating and give a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Inside the Green Room is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. Clifford Augustin is the producer and Marissa Rivez is the acting director for sports podcasts at SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.